Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. It was basically something that we could do all by ourselves to make ourselves feel either faster, superior, cooler. They want to find that magic that it takes to go faster. I think this whole thing is about what America really is. If you were a human being, the first thing besides wanting a girl, a car, there was only two things in the world. And when I was a kid, you were a bad guy at getting a hard rod. Public didn't like you, the newspaper didn't like you, and the police didn't like you. If it was just two people to challenge each other, there was at least from 500 to 600 cars that would take a whole mile on each side. I mean, everybody was out there, it was unbelievable. It was tremendous time to, to be around and, and see what was happening. The true hot rodder. He looks at the data and looks at what's going on, and he wants to make things better. Hot rodding was uh, probably the stepping stones for all the modern inventions of your automotive trade today. That's where our aircraft industry got started, you know, with these guys. These guys were doing it all. Innovations. The most innovations went on this, this, this era. Everybody was trying something. We're crazy. Absolutely crazy. You're riding in a bomb. It's a disease. You ask talk to anybody that goes the first time, they get hooked. You walk through the pit area or get up close to the starting line and you smell it. The tires, you smell the nitro. That, that stuff hooks you. My favorite memory is being the first guy to run 140 miles an hour. 150, 160, 222 miles an hour, 236. 309, 308, 311. The last reading I got it was the 300, and I looked out the windshield, and and I was looking at the salt, and I said, "Oh sh!" And that was the last word I remembered. I've lost four inches out of my leg here. I said, "Go ahead and take it. I'm, I got to get back to racing." Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, y'all, what do you get when you cross Suzanne Summers and Goldie Hahn? You get Linda Vaughn. 
and I'm listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Why don't you? Welcome, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tan Talk1340.com, and you can see me live here in downtown Clearwater in our little studios here at WTAN. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us and what we do. And, and, if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, where you can listen to all 490 Close to four hundred, close to five hundred shows. We are now deep into our nine and a half years. May thirteenth, two thousand ten, is when we started. Wow, that's amazing. Coming up on ten year anniversary, we have yes, we are working on a surprise, a surprise ten year anniversary show. Um, I am uh. Gonna make keep, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it a surprise. I'm gonna keep it a surprise. But anyway, so hey, I'll tell you what. Let's go right to the uh, Florida Car Shows minute. FLACarshows.com. If you want to find out where all the car shows are, besides tuning in to our show every week, where we generally talk about some of the events, you can go to Nostalgic Radio. No, no, no. Let me do that one more time. You can go to FLACarshows.com. And you can find out where all the car shows are going on in the state of Florida. North, south, east, west, all over Florida, they're there. But a couple of them are coming up. The big, 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 big one is in a couple, three weeks. It's the Amelia Island Concourse. It is the 25th anniversary. 25th anniversary, ladies and gentlemen. I've been going there on and off since 1997. The first one was 1996. I think what happened was, is it conf- when it first came out, I think it was in the first week of March, because it's always the second week of March. And I think it conflicted with a vintage race or something like that. So it's kind of like uh, flip the coin and see which way I go, right? At any rate, uh, Chris from Lincoln Land, a real good friend of mine, a number of other people went there for the very first inaugural Amelia Island Concourse d'Elegance, and they had a spectacular time. So they said I definitely had to do it. So what I did is I flew up there because Chris was up there. He had actually had a car on the lawn up there, 63 Lincoln, I think he had. And uh, which I think Lincoln might have been one of the feature marks that year, possibly '97. So I flew up there, hung out. I was totally bitten by the bug. I have been to Amelia Island on and off since then, and uh, I highly recommend it. I mean, some of the f- it is the finest automobile show, um, not only on the East Coast, probably across the country. It's just the, Bill Warner does an amazing job. The cars. The people, the caliber of the event is just first, 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 first class. So it's just an amazing experience, you know. And again, it's the people. The cars themselves are amazing, but the people and the stories, you know. And uh, and and I'm 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 looking forward to it. Uh, Zephyr Hills is coming up this weekend, or I think the fifth. What is the eleventh? Yeah, this weekend is Zephyr Hills it's Car Show Swap Meet. Uh, Lakeland Winter Fest is coming up. And that is the week after. And uh, what did I do this weekend? Well, let me tell you what I did this weekend. I actually was invited to go down to DRT 2020. Now, for those of you guys that don't know what DRT stands for, it's Deutsch for Das Rennen-Treffen. Okay, so the Porsche people that listen to our show on a regular basis will definitely know what that means. Das Rennen-Treffen is the race meeting or gathering. Rennen means racing, and treffen, treffen, T-R-E-F-F-E-N, means uh, gathering or meeting. And uh, this is an event that's been going on now for a number of years. This was the fifth annual um, Rennen-Treffen, and it took place in uh, South Miami, right around the corner from the University of Miami. And uh, I was pretty impressed with the event. Um, Some amazing cars. And in fact, I don't think I've seen a collective group of air-cooled 911s at any event that I've been to in ages outside of Monterey. And uh, when you generally go to the Monterey, and let's just say, for example, Porsche is the feature event, or excuse me, feature mark, then it's like all these 911s, these air-cooled cars, uh, 993s, 964s, 911s, early 911s, 911Es, 911Ss, 911Scs, 911 Carreras, uh, 911s all the way back to 1964, 
just come out of the woodwork. But there was a lot of 80s, not 11s, down in Miami. Now, I can recall going down to Miami back in the 70s and the 80s, and I think I bought my first 9-11, though, maybe 1978. And I actually had a 75 silver anniversary car that somebody had put little bulgy little flares on. It was kind of a cool little car, and I tweaked it a little bit more from there. And... Um, it actually had a rare set of uh, seven, uh, eights and nine Fuchs wheels on it. Fuchs as in F-U-C-H. It's not Fuch, Fuch, I don't, Fuch, I don't know how some people say it, but it's Fuchs. Fuchs in German, C-H is <laughs> Okay, like you're getting ready to <laughs> one up. Anyway, um, so that was a pretty cool car, and I was kind of bitten by the bug then. Of course, a side note story is, uh, the reason I picked up a 911 is because a friend of mine, at the time, obviously I was a Shelby guy, and I liked sports cars because I had a Healy, and, um, and I liked 356s, okay? But the right about 77, 78, uh, the turbo Porsche kind of hit the scene, and that was kind of like the cool car, I mean the trendy car. But I was a little bit more on the traditional side, you know, and I had a Shelby, and I always wanted a Cobra, and I was in road and truck every week looking for Cobras. And back then you could buy them, seriously, every once in a while you'd find one for 900 bucks, a little wadded up or banged up a little bit, an X-Race car or something like that, or when it was abused, blown engine or whatever. 289, 427 cars, but on an average there were three, 4,000 bucks back then. And, uh, but like I said, occasionally you'd find one for, you know, 1,000 bucks, 2,000 bucks or whatnot. So my buddy's all diehard into the Porsches, and he says, oh, no, you know, he shows me this article. He says, uh, toss-up, if you have the choice between a 930 and an AC 427 cover, you buy the turbo. Why? Just as fast. Well, fast, not quick, and had full power and air. Now, you know, this is Florida, so, you know, I'm thinking, well, all right. I got a convertible already. Maybe I should consider something fast. It's Euro, and that's what prompted me to buy that. But I regret that because at the time, there was this AZ-427 Cobra over in Tampa, actually Plant City, and it was owned by a guy by the name of Bob Hamilton. Bob Hamilton also owned a 1970 Chevelle. And if you guys are model builders like me, you may recall this. There was a model that came out in 1970. It was called Red Alert. And the car was actually out of Tampa. It was out of Lakeland. And it was a LS6 automatic, and it ran, I don't know, either high 10s, low 11s, index on an NHRA uh, uh, record. And he also had a bunch of Fords, and he had a 68 Torino with a 427 in it, but he also had this AC Cobra. Well, he showed up at one of our Shelby meets one time, over at Lakeland International Raceway, he came rolling in with that Chevelle sitting on the back of the trailer, and I thought that was bizarre. I said, because this is a Ford event, you know? But he also brought that car over just for display, because somebody asked him to, but the other car that he brought over there to autocross and show at this particular Shelby event was this 427 Cobra, which apparently, as the story goes, was the actual AC 427 Cobra used in the movie Spin Out, driven by Elvis Presley himself. So I had a chance to buy that car, and I blew it. But what did I do? I went out and bought a Porsche. I should hate Porsches, but I still like them. But I could have bought that particular Cobra. Of course, I'm a big Elvis Presley fan. We play uh, that uh, spin out on our show every once in a while on the show. But that AC 427 Cobra, to this day, to this day, has eluded me. So when I could buy the cars for like four or five grand, then they went to 20, then they went to 50, then they went to 100, then they went to 200. Now they're a million and a half close to $2 million for a 427 car. You can buy a 289 under a, under a mill. But that's just mind-blowing. Uh, I don't know how to predict the market. I will tell you that some people say it's leveled off, but certain cars, AC Cobra for one, Ferraris for two, uh, they're not coming off their highs. They're still creeping up there. So they're getting more and more expensive. So if you have the desire to buy a car, uh, and you can afford a 427 Cobra or Lamborghini 350 GT or a Mura, Mura's over $2 million now. Tuckers! Tuckers! 1948 Tucker. $2 million. It's mind-blowing. But they're very rare, very unique cars. Limited production. That's what it's all about. But for those of us that don't have those kind of uh, exorbitant budgets, you know, you can buy your basic Mach 1, you can buy a Chevelle, you can buy a second-gen Camaro, and what's real hot is second-gen Firebirds. And uh, I was talking to my friend Rick Dieter today down at Transum Specialties. And we're going to have Rick on the show here in about a month or so. And he's down in Miami, and he specializes in Trans Am. Not just the you know, banded edition cars, but all the Trans Am. So not so much the first gen, because there really wasn't a lot of 69 Trans Am. But from 70 all the way on up to 81, 
the second gen com, uh, Firebirds and Trans Ams and Formulas are pretty cool cars. They are super bang for the buck. You can buy those cars under twenty grand. I mean, super nice ones. You're gonna pay a little bit more, especially if you get big motors. Super Duties are bringing a hundred grand. Let's say seventy one, seventy two HOs and Super Duty cars, seventy three, seventy four. Not so much. They're sixty seventy, but. Uh, but you can buy yourself a nice 455 Trans Am for probably you know, 30, 35 grand. You can buy yourself a late model uh, 77, 78, 79 Trans Am. You can buy those under 20 grand, 20, 25, something like that, 15. So they're in that price range. Anyway, Tommy, I think what we need to do, because we've got a very special guest coming on the show tonight. And of course, our theme is a little bit on the hot rod. If you listen to the interview a little earlier that they were doing, um, the guy called racing, hot rodding, the car hobby, if you will, if you read between the lines, a disease. My mom used to call it uh, a disease, an addiction, if you will, you know. But you know what? It's a disease and an addiction that that's perfectly fine with me and any other car guy because car guys are cool for the most part. You know, it's all about cars. And as you get older, I mean, sure, you have this little rivalry thing going on a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, we're all in it together. In fact, I had a discussion with a guy the other day and uh, – it's not if you like kind of cool modified cars a little bit. It doesn't really matter what the car is. It's how the car is done. That's what gets my attention. That's what's really really cool. And on that note, I think we're going to fire up the stereo because here's a little hot rod Lincoln. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. We'll touch that dial. We'll be right back. With the Fords and the Murphs in the face. Story's true, I'm here to say, cause I was driving Model A. And had a Model A body made it look like a pump, had a Lincoln motor that was really souped up. Had eight cylinders, used them all, had overdrive, just won't stall. It had four lift gears, a dual exhaust, had a four barrel car, beat the really good loss, safety tubes. Ha <laughs> ha, I ain't scared, the brakes are good and tired and fair. I pull out of San Pedro late one night I had the moon and the stars shining bright Climbing up the grapevine hill Passing cars like they were standing still Car passing music Cadillac sedan passed me by. Remark was made, that's a car for me, but then the taillight was always seen. Now, Red Ribby for being behind. I says, Man, I'm gonna make mine like an unwind. Took my foot off the gas and man alive. I shoved it down into overdrive like this. Well, I wound it up to 110. I twisted the speedometer off the end. My foot was glued like lead to the floor. That's all there is. There ain't no more. Everybody reckoned I lost my sense. Said the phone poles looked like a picket fence. They said, slow down. I see spots for lines in the road. Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery. 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunningbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. Hey, we're back. You tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. So call all your buddies, tell everybody we're live, and they can tune in. Um, yes, I was talking to DR, talking about DRT, das Rennen-Treffen, in uh, Miami. And uh, Al and his wife, Yo, I better not say it because I can't pronounce it right. I think it's Yo-D. And, uh, but anyway, uh, and, and a number of other people down there did an amazing job. I mean, the streets are all blocked off. I think that these street parties or street car show gatherings are absolutely the best thing because 
they actually, everybody benefits because you got something to do. There's shops, there's restaurants, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Then you have this little square in the center, which is where they have, let's say, like the vendors. And the collection, which was the uh, primary sponsor of this event, the collection, which is a Porsche. Well, they have Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, everything. And um, so I got a chance to meet uh, Jose, who's the general sales manager for Porsche, for the collection. Super nice guy. And um, But it was just a really, really well-run, well-organized. And the part that we liked the best, or I liked the best, or Team Nostalgic Radio and Cars liked the best, was the fact that they had a live band there. Now, you know me. I'm a rock and roll guy, and uh, I love music. And uh, they had a band up there, just uh, kind of a mix of guys that just looked like uh, they came off the street. But, boy, could they sit there and play. I mean, super guitarist, super drummer, vocalist. I mean, they really, they, they, their heart and soul was in the music and, and what they did. And uh, very, very, I mean, the sound sound guy did a really good job. It was a little loud initially, but, you know, that's just the way it is because it's a proximity thing. If you're close to the stage, obviously it's going to be louder. But they were trying to reach all the way down the end of the block because there's like blocks and blocks and blocks of cars. But it was really cool the way they, 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 they laid it out. You know, you had the air-cooled 911s kind of up front, you know, the, the 80s cars, which I'm partial to. They had some of the early cars uh, on one of the other streets. They had uh, 944s, and we drove the uh, 944 Turbo down there, which really was a pretty cool piece down there. got a lot of attention. And uh, um, they had uh, boxers on one side. They had uh, two 928s. That's all they had down there. It was interesting. The number of 356s, my good friend Mark Probanic. I'm a big shout-out to Mark Probanic out of, out of uh, Jacksonville. He, is, he drives, I think it's a 58 or 59. I think it's 58, 356. He has driven his car to Lufkekult in L.A. I don't know how many times. Jacksonville. California to Monterey to the classics, historics out there, Rolex uh, historics. I mean, he drives this 356 all over the place. Um, the 356 Club in the state of Florida, which is called the Fog, and uh, it uh, they had their meeting up at the, at the plantation. So I went up there in Crystal River. So I went up there Friday for that, hung out with those guys, and then uh, had work to do on Saturday, and then boogied on down to Miami. But the DRT, if you're a Porsche guy and you love German cars, um, that was a spectacular event. Google DRT. 2021 because that's when it's going to take place next year and it's usually this time of year so it's a lot of fun do a great great event 600 cars thousands and thousands of people just everybody having a great time on that note i think tommy's going to fire up uh the stereo again and we're going to invite our special guest for the evening shillman's been on our show before he's an alumni but he is very very influential in the classic collector car world along with the hot rod world and automotive journalism world so Delighted to have him back on our show. Hey, turn into nostalgic waiting cars. Don't touch that dial. Don't run away. We'll be right back. century-long romance with the automobile, the passion has never burned brighter than with hot rods. Be they immaculate show cars, gritty racers, or somewhere in between, hot rods embody the core values that made this country great. Innovation, competition, improvisation, good looks, fast cars, and the relentless drive to succeed. As told by the legends, old and new, who lived it. This is the incredible true story of an American icon, the Hot Rod. The dry lake beds of Southern California were the original speed zone for hot rodders. But the alkali dust kicked up by tires and the wind became a problem, as did the degradation of the lake beds themselves due to lakes racing's unprecedented popularity in the late 1940s. As speeds rose over 150 miles per hour, 
Hot Rodding was in the process of outgrowing its ancestral home. The Bonneville Salt Flats had already come into service as a high-speed playground. Nature gave us a gift for high-speed runs, which was the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. Bonneville Speed Week became the place. The cars that went first went four, five, and 600 miles an hour, all were done in Bonneville. And all were done, by the way, by hot rodders. But they're all American hot rodders, and you had them going out to the Salt Flats because they needed the space to run at those speeds in safety. This is Keith Martin, publisher of Sports Car Market and American Car Collector, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It is time to introduce my special guest for the evening. This gentleman has been on our show before. He is uh, a legend in the world of hot rods. He's a, a well-established automotive journalist, a car collector, author, commentator, concourse judge, uh, formerly involved with and still indirectly with uh, the amazing Peterson Museum in, in, in Los Angeles, California. I'm delighted to welcome back to the show this evening, Ken Gross. Ken, how are you? Uh, just great, Robert. Nice to be here. So, Ken, um, why don't you share uh, some stories with us about, and I played that little segment there because I really am, the the quintessential Early style hot rod is really starting to grow on me. I've never owned one, but I'm really, really starting to take a huge liking to those cars and gravitating to them. So tell us a little bit about uh, your involvement with hot rods and how they've affected your life. Well, I grew up in the 50s, north of Boston, uh, and I was in a hot rod club from the time I was 16 until I uh, got out of, uh, of high school. And actually, I stayed in a little bit while I was in, in college. And... The Massachusetts, where I was, was pretty much a hotbed of hot rodding. Our, our local drag strip, well, we had two. One was in Orange, Western Mass, but the other was only an hour and a half away up in Sanford, Maine. And uh, it was a very active drag strip. And occasionally they had uh, the big names there, like John Garlitz or the California, um, I'm sorry, the Arizona Speed Sport uh, Special Roadster ran. And my, my hot rod uh, <coughs> club. Um, I belong to a club called the Choppers in uh, in Salem, Massachusetts, and I used to tell my parents uh, that uh, I was in a study group at the library. <laughs> my parents were really kind of hard on on um, uh, a lot of my interest in cars. My dad, they were wonderful people, but they they wanted uh, my brother to be a doctor, which he became. They wanted me to be a lawyer, which I did not, <laughs> and uh, they wanted me to study a lot, and so. Uh, I said, well, I, I go to the library every every Monday night for a special study group. Of course, that's when the choppers meeting was. Mm. And one night, my dad went to the library looking for me. You know, this is well before anybody would ever conceive of a cell phone. And um, he said to Mrs. Forbes, the librarian, I'm looking for, for Ken. And Mrs. Forbes said, well, I, I don't think he's here tonight. And my dad said, well, he comes every Monday night. And she said, why do you say that? And he said, well... <laughs> Kenny told me, told me he was in a hot, in a uh, uh, a study group, and uh, bless Mrs. Forbes, she said, we don't have any study groups here. So of course, when I got home, um, I had to uh, had to make amends really quickly. Uh, we didn't really call it grounding in those days, but I couldn't drive my car weeks, <clears throat> and in those days, uh, that meant a, meant a great deal because a cool ride meant the um, on the on the cool side of things. And a, when I was in high school, I had a 48 Ford with a modified Mercury engine, and uh, then I, I started work on a 40 Ford coupe. I, I have a 44 today uh, with an Oldsmobile engine from a junkyard. But the guys I hung around with, um, some of them drag raced. Uh, everybody liked to cruise, and we did some street racing because it's what you did in those days. Mm -hmm. And uh, the popular place to, uh, to do it was out on Route 1 near uh, in Saugus, Massachusetts where we had a, uh, a large drive-in restaurant called Adventure Car Hop. And uh, Adventure had the, the, uh, the little uh, uh, sort of kiosk where you ordered. Um, they did have girls on roller skates. Uh, there was a popular television show, and they had a, a clue each night. And if you picked up the clue, you got either two, two cheeseburgers for the price of one or whatever. But more importantly, guys would cruise through in their cars looking to drag race. And it was just about a quarter of a mile from the edge of Adventure Car Hop where you pulled out on, on the Route 1 to the, to the Saugus Overpass. 
so periodically you'd hear two cars peeling out, and the cops <laughs> were wise to this, they, they, but they couldn't sit there all the time. And uh, some, some pretty exciting racing went on uh, uh, late at night, fueled by hamburgers and, uh, and malted milk. let me ask you a question and this is one i've always wondered now i grew up in northern cal okay so i'm from the marin county area north of san francisco and i'm a little younger so i'm out of the 60s and um you know it's it's funny because growing up in california you think oh well you know hot riding is just like a california thing what i found out since i've been doing this show and since i've gotten more and more involved in this even as High rotting wasn't just, you know, something that originated in California. Little remote towns like you're talking about up there in, in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, someplace up in South Dakota, someplace down in the south in, in Louisiana. High rotting was all over the country, and it's kind of like it just like, poof, it just happened. Is that a fair statement? Well, uh, it, it, it was absolutely all over the country. And one of the reasons it happened was because uh, Bob Peterson had started Hot Rod Magazine in January of 1948, and Speed Age actually started in 1947, posted oh. Road and Track, and these magazines really spread the word. Okay. Uh, very, very quickly, uh, speed equipment manufacturers on the West Coast um, <clears throat> could uh, could sell their wares to people all over the country, and on the East Coast, we had Honest Charlie uh, down in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We had Ed Armquist in Pennsylvania. Uh, so, and Ra- Railway Express, which is long before UPS, would deliver almost anything. You know, you bought a transmission adapter or uh, uh, mufflers or manifolds uh, or whatever. It all came uh, right to your door, and you could uh, you could order it from the magazine. So, uh, I think the magazines deserve a great deal of credit. In uh, early 1958, uh, Hot Rod had a cover story about racing. Uh, excuse me, about Hot Rods in New England. And they had Norm Wallace's 32 Roadster on the cover. And they, the story, and this was rare because, you know, I worked for Peterson for a number of years, and they uh, they didn't send writers necessarily to the East Coast to report. I and mean, they had all they could cover on the East, on the West Coast. But in this instance, they sent a couple of guys. And they, in, the, in the story, they talked about how they're looking at cars on the street. They, they said, this is just like L.A. There's hot rods everywhere. And of course, we didn't believe a word of that. I did. I mean, there certainly were a lot of cars, but we thought California streets were paved with gold. Everybody was in a hot rod or a custom, uh, so we we didn't believe that we were running at the same pace. But they said we were. Interesting, because like I said, I didn't know that either. And I, and the more and more I talk with uh, you know some of the guys have been around for a while, that's uh, there's a lot of truth to it. So and up in, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, if anybody, is, any of your listeners are interested in. The East Coast hot rodding, uh, A.B. Schumann, the late A.B. Schumann, who was, at one point was the editor of Hot Rod, but grew up on the uh, East Coast, wrote a wonderful book called Cool Cars and Square Roll Bars. Uh, it's still in print, and it's all about hot rodding in New England. And when you look at it, um, it's pretty amazing the number of cars that you uh, that you see. The uh, There's a – what's that race or – Hot rod gathering that takes place. I'm not sure. I think it's New Jersey. Is it? Uh, yeah, the race of race of gentlemen. Yeah, uh, have they, you been to that? They call it trod. Um, I have not been uh, to it, but lots of friends uh, have. Um, it's it's in Wildwood, and they actually did a, did a, a West Coast version uh, as well. And I've been I've been thinking maybe this summer I'll take my. I have a 32 Ford Roadster. It would be a nice trip to uh, drive up and watch these guys racing on the on the uh, the sand that. Um, uh, in Wildwood uh, Wildwood Beach, which was something that we didn't do back in the 50s, but uh, they're doing it now, and when you look at these cars, they're all pretty simple, old-timey, flathead power, uh, so they're really bringing back an era that's, uh, gosh, 70 uh, years ago. Your your take on the industry as a whole, I mean, the and the enthusiasm for hot rodding and the nostalgia side of it, you know, like with the hot rods, like the 32s through 44s and stuff, what do you see happening? Is there like a resurgence? Is it growing? Is it stable? I mean, where where well, is it exactly? Well, we I started my car in, uh, I think back for a moment, in 1994, I started uh, working on my 32 Ford. And at that time, there were a couple of people rebuilding flatheads. And there was some speed equipment available, but in the, you know, over the last few years, it's incredible 
the amount of nostalgia, interest in nostalgia, and uh, and the availability of equipment and people who specialize and and so forth. And people are reproducing things in a great way. Um, I have a set of Kenmont disc brakes on my 32 Ford. They were developed in the 1940s. Oh. Only 250 sets were made. Uh, they're very rare and unusual and expensive. And now there's a guy um, in Georgia who's uh, repopping them and making them even better because they have modern uh, calipers and rotors uh, in, inside. So I, I have a set of uh, guys... <coughs> Um, headlights on my roadster, and I found them at, Her- at the Hershey Swap Meet today. Uh, there's a guy who is um, uh, repopping them absolutely beautifully. I mean, there isn't much you can't get today, and because there's uh, unfortunately a lot of guys getting older and selling off what they have. Um, in some ways, this is the golden age all over again. Do you do you see um, a, a younger generation uh, gravitating to hot riding? You know, old school, traditional style hot riding. Well, it depends on what you call young. If you went to Race of Gentlemen or some of the other uh, nostalgia events, you'll find guys in their 30s and 40s. It's pretty expensive mm-hmm. for a kid in his 20s, uh, unless he's got a heck of a job, uh, to uh, to have a, a serious car. But there, there is certainly is a cadre of younger people who are interested. And I'm always surprised looking at Instagram and, and some of the, um, the kind of fringe pub- publications like uh, Speed and Custom and... Uh, uh, and hop up uh, how many guys who are let's say in their 40s and 30s and 40s what they remember or, or remembers the wrong word uh, what they celebrate about an era where they weren't even born is a, is a lot of fun i mean is a little out of perspective i mean when i was growing up girls did not have tattoos <laughs> and, uh, i mean they simply didn't and actually the only guys who did were guys who maybe did a a cruise in the Navy, uh, or maybe had one. So that uh, skin art was not something we were we saw a great uh, a great deal of. But uh, one of the, the places that I think, or events that I think, really celebrates all this is the Suede Palace at um, uh, at the Grand National Roadster Show, which just took place a couple of weeks ago. A fellow named Axel Izzardi. Uh, puts together a great group of nostalgia hot rods and nostalgia vendors uh, in the uh, in the suede, in the suede uh, palace, and uh, it's the first place I gravitate to when I go to the roadster show, and so do a lot of other other people. Uh, com- a discussion I had with someone the other day was, um, and then you know I'm like you, I like a lot of cars. You know, I might be partial, to, let's say the Shelby Mustangs and 356s or something like that. But I appreciate all the cars, and that, and, and when I go to SEMA, that never ceases to amaze me what's going on there. So, on that note, where what I do is I tell people what attracts me to a car is the work. The level of the work, the quality of the work, what's been done to the car is what gets my attention. And so it doesn't really matter whether it's a Ford, a Chevy, a sports car, a Japanese car, a tuner, whatever. It's just if the, if the work is done really, really cool, to me, it's, it's that kind of appeals. It can get the attention of somebody that's not normally looking at a car, but suddenly would. I mean, do, do, you, do you find that kind of true, too, in, well, in a way? Well, I, I do. I mean, I can be a terrible critic at that and at hot rod shows, uh, mm-hmm. walking around and looking, because first thing I, I do tend to look at is the line of a car and whether things are in proportion mm-hmm. and whether or not uh, a car is true to its era or, uh, sadly, sometimes what I call a mixed metaphor, where the wheels are from the 60s and something else is from the 50s and it's got a modern LS2 in it and oh. so forth. It, it, that uh, I think you best cars are true to a theme. Right, exactly. Um, what are your thoughts on the publications uh, with what Ten's uh, doing right now? Uh, well, I wrote for three of the ones that have been killed, actually four, on automobile occasionally. So uh, I'm terribly, terribly disappointed, uh, and I, I'm not sure quite yet whether they're going to include whether they're going to keep them online. Automobile uh, does have an online presence. But I'm, I'm very disappointed that, that it's happened because I, I think the magazine's uh, – on some level, were viable. And, uh, you know, the first thing I thought of, because I get people calling all the time, I want my car on the cover. You know, ever since the 40s and 50s, uh, the the true mark of success for a finished car is that it's on the cover of a magazine. Well, now there are not a lot of covers left. Um, thankfully, Rodder's Journal is uh, continuing. But even Hot Rod gets thinner and thinner each month. And I honestly don't, uh, I don't believe that we're seeing 
a sea change in the number of people reading. What is interesting, though, is to me, is that the smallest specialty magazines uh, are able to uh, uh, to survive, and I'm glad I'm glad that they do. But uh, in a word, I'm disappointed. So what do you, I mean, if you had to kind of analyze a little bit, where do you think the downfall was? Is it just a corporate mindset or is it uh, is it a sign of the times? Are we in a digital age? Because I'll be honest with you, when I go to Publix with my wife every once in a while, first thing I do is I just diddy bop down the magazine aisle. I'll, I'll pick up a Hot Rod magazine or Deluxe magazine or a Road and Track or something. I'll sit there and I'll you know peruse through it until Teresa texts me and says, hey, it's time to go. Um, but I love looking through magazines, man. but I'm of that generation when that's what we had. I mean, you know, so I don't know. Give me your thoughts on that. I think that uh, well, I think you you named several of the reasons uh, why this has happened. Um, where where the enthusiast network is concerned, and it's shocking that originally that course was Peterson Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, uh, I think, they're part of their interest is Discovery Channel. I think they tend to be more TV, video, um, uh, sight, sound, and motion folk. And uh, in terms of their management, uh, and so they've let a lot of folk go uh, because their vision is is just different for these uh, these magazines. I would say for some people, um, a, a really strong website is a good opportunity right uh, uh, right now. I don't think that the um, the interest is waning a bit. I mean, I look at Instagram once or twice a day, and and uh, I just can't believe the number of nostalgia. Um, Cars, parts, bits, pieces, and so and so forth. Um, one of my, the things I did that was the most fun last year was to, was to drive up to uh, an East Coast event called Jalopy Rama, uh, which goes on every year. It, they only want old style cars. They really would prefer them in primer. Um, and uh, we had just a wonderful gathering of like minds. And there were young younger people there, even though uh, there's an awful there is an awful lot of gray uh, gray hair. But for me, uh, one of the fun things I can do um, every Saturday morning when the weather's up to it is jump into one of my cars and drive uh, to our local Cars and Coffee. It's about a 35-mile uh, each-way drive, and uh, it's what I did when I lived in, in California. I would go to Donut Derelicts uh, nearly every weekend, and I do that here. And what's funny, though, is that the mix of cars, certainly at the Cars and Coffee I go to, has changed. There's a lot of modern modern stuff you know, you've got the kids in their hopped-up Subarus and, and other um, uh, cars from Japan. Hmm. Uh, you have um, uh, some muscle car folk and Corvette people, a lot of um, uh, guys with uh, with modified BMWs and Audis and, and so forth. So if I drive in there in a 32 Roadster or a 40 Ford or my 39 Ford with an early Hemi, uh, particularly on a, on a coolish day or damp day where they, they think, what in the world is that doing out here? And boy, it doesn't that sound good. And you, know, you pop a hood, and somebody sees an early Hemi uh, between the, the frame rails with two four-barrel carburetors. And uh, it, it, I like to feel that I'm, I'm keeping the spirit alive with uh, with my cars. When you um, would you say that these cars and coffees, these kind of meetups like that, are are pretty good to uh, you know kind of proliferate the hobby a little bit? You know, because like you said, it's kind I, of a- I totally think so. Uh, you know. Uh, we have every possible age, uh, and a lot of uh, young young women, and uh, at at our cars and coffee. Um, and uh, I like I'm not the only person who will happily take a moment or two if a young kid is standing there to ask them what they're looking at or ask them what they like. Uh, and because if we don't pass this along, you know, uh, it's it's going to end. Uh, the Hemmings people have, have a slogan for years: "Take a kid to a car show." I say, you know, take them to cars and coffee and yeah. talk to them and give, put them in your car. Give them a ride. Um, if I see a kid, you know, looking at one of my cars, I open the door and say, get in, you know, and, and, uh, and at least sit down here and to see what it feels like. You get these giant smiles. Um, Mom or dad takes a picture with their cell phone. And I like to think maybe I've, I've kindled a little spark here for a future car enthusiast. I hope so. Super. Now, one other thing I want to talk about, you mentioned the Grand National uh, Roadster Show. Uh, how was that this year? And, and, and what do you see? Has it changed for, like, what's the what's the big inspiration or what's the big draw at the Grand National Roadster Show these days compared to, let's just say, years and years ago? Is it 
the same, well, or is there something true, different? Okay, well, true confession. Okay. This is the first year in many years I did not go to the Grand National Road oh. Show. I went to Cavallino in Florida and judged Ferraris. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm something of an ecumenical car enthusiast. I've owned a 275 GTB and a Dino and a 400 GT Lamborghini, and every so often um, somebody will call and say, uh, you want to do this, and for a change, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. But what I did feel, again, uh, using Instagram, um, I got to see a lot of what was going on because friends post like crazy, and it looked to me as though there were a number of pretty exciting cars. Uh, and the, the vibe I got, again, just from from what people were posting, was that it was a good show, a crowded show, and a, I certainly saw some cars, uh, you know, in phone size uh, image where I thought, damn, I'm sorry, I missed that this year. I'll, I'll, uh, I hope I see it somewhere else. And actually, what I also thought, which is funny, I thought, well, I'll see it in the magazine. But probably won't because of the way uh, the way that's uh, that's going. Well, now, so is this the first time you've been to the Cavalino, or have you been there before? Um, I've never gone to Cavalino uh, before, and I judged at Cavalino and Mar-a-Lago. Oh, but I have judged Ferraris in the past at other uh, <clears throat> other events, and you know, this will, this will be my thirty first year judging at Pebble Beach. So, uh, and I, I I'm assembling several classes this year. Last year we did hot rods. Uh, cover cars, and we had the covers along with the cars. This year, in total contrast, I'm working on a Miller class, a Porsche 917 class, an Iso Revolta class, and a La Carrera Panamericana class. So really? I can switch hats and switch gears you know, with enthusiasm, but we'll be back, I hope, uh, in um, uh, 2021 with another hot rod class. We do them every every other year, and people really, uh, really seem to like it. This is a pebble now you're talking about, right? Yeah, Pebble, yeah. Okay. How about Amelia? What do you got in store for Amelia this year? Anything? Uh, well, Bill Bill Warner had a really good idea this year, I think. He has lots of good ideas. Um, he's invited the Rolling Bones Hot Rod Club from upstate New York. Mm. Uh, I wrote the program article on these guys, um, Keith Cornell and Ken Schmidt, who have uh, established almost like a fraternity, but you'd have to say sorority, too, because there are a couple of ladies who own their cars. And they build a uh, they build a pretty mean looking, very traditional style car, and I think they're going to have ten or a dozen of them uh, at at Amelia uh, as well. I um, uh, Bill is going to have um, uh, that the famous that uh, the Golden Sahara that was restored. Oh last yes, year taken to the to the um, uh, Geneva Auto Show. So I wrote the program article on that too. And, uh, and have helped a little bit with it. Um, I, uh, Amelia does some really great stuff, I have to confess. A couple of years ago, uh, Bill did a, uh, an Ed Roth class with a wonderful group of, uh, of zany Roth cars. I wrote the program article for that one, too. And uh, I just People go to Amelia, and they're not sure what they're going to see, but they know that they're not going to see same old, same old. And I give Bill a lot of credit for that. Well, that's the one thing about Bill. I mean, you know, he is a true car enthusiast. I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him this question. I said, Bill, did you ever have hot rods when you were a kid? He goes, no, I was always a sports car guy. And uh, But I had a conversation with him one time, and he told me, and I ran this by Chip and a couple other guys, uh, Doug Evans from uh, SEMA, and he says, what you need to do is something like the Grand National Roadster Show in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, hmm, okay. So I actually pitched that to uh, Doug one time. He thought that was a pretty cool idea. I ran it by Corky. Corky, you know, he's kind of a hot rodder, too. I'm going to run it by yep. you, too. So I get all the big guys like you involved in it. Maybe we could do something, because Orlando is just a really super... You know, the thing that about venues is they've got to have something for everybody, and Orlando certainly has that. You know? Well, uh, if, if you were to do something like that, uh, I'd certainly be... Interested in participating? Don't forget uh, the Detroit Autorama, which is oh, yes. up in a couple of weeks. So there's an enormous show. Uh, they, they absolutely pack Cobo Hall, uh, the, the main floor and the basement. Uh, so you've got a uh, with with Grand National Roadster Show. You've got a a West Coast effort with with um, the Autorama. You've got it in the Midwest. So maybe it is time to do something in uh, in Florida. Besides the Daytona <laughs> Turkey Run and some of the other uh, Short, uh, short of Well, I was talking with one of the guys from Haggerty, and he told me, he says, Robert, you would be amazed at how many 
cars, classic cars of all sorts, all kinds, reside on the west coast of Florida. He says it's one of the highest concentrations on the east coast, on the southern east hmm. coast. And I said, really? And of course, well, they you know, would know. They would know. Yeah, they had that statistical information. Same thing with Keith Martin, you know, with his deal. And uh, so. Yeah, I think that's open for discussion, and I think Orlando would be... Uh, in fact, I ran into Doug and Wayne Kawasaki at uh, Meekum last month, and, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, we kind of just kind of balled it around a little bit. But I think uh, Orlando's is... Uh, I think it's uh, it's on the map. It's got potential. Good. Well, <laughs> anyway, Ken, um, Peterson... We got well, about a minute left. Um, Peterson Museum, are you... Uh, what, that's like the museum of museums, wouldn't you say? I, I think they're, they've done a fabulous job <clears throat> with the um, uh, rebuilding, redesign. Uh, I give them lots of uh, lots of credit. Um, I almost don't recognize the place when I when I go there. Uh, they took a building that dated back to the fifties when it was the Cebu Department Store and literally gutted it. Now my wife and I went on a hard, uh, hard hat tour when they were doing the reconstruction, and they were and I was there four and a half years. Ago. There were places where I, I, I thought, I don't even know where I am in the building because they took so much out of it. And then they uh, they, they did a wonderful restyling uh, job on the building itself, and they've had uh, terrific exhibits. I mean, the support group, uh, Bruce Meyer's Checkered Flag 200, which is far more than 200 people now, um, have done a wonderful job in uh, supporting the museum, bringing in enthusiasts, uh, organizing events, and uh, and so forth. So, no, I have... Nothing but praise for the for the Peterson. In fact, I'm borrowing uh, one of their cars for, for, for the Detroit <laughs> Autorama, uh, the uh, Ed Roth Outlaw, uh, and uh, we, we helped put together a little group of nostalgic cars for Detroit. And we have the uh, the Outlaw from the Peterson and Bruce Myers sending his uh, his McGee 32 Roadster, and Ross Meyer is bringing the uh, the Kooky car, which was restored in time for Little Beach last year to the uh, Joy of lots of people who watched 77 Sunset Strip in the 50s and, and uh, dreamed that they had that hot little car. <laughs> Well, uh, Ken, we're out of time. We're up against the clock. Again, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. If you want to give out some social media, if people want to find out more about you, find out about your books and stuff like that, how do they do that? Uh, well, uh, chopper underscore Ken on uh, Instagram is a good way. Okay. And, and I don't have a website, but uh, but uh, I put a lot of stuff up on uh, Instagram and uh, a lot of my cars and some of the things I'm doing. So uh, they want to take a look. I've got almost 3,000 followers after a year, so I guess I'm plodding along the best I can. All righty. Well, Kent, I'll see you up at uh, Amelia Island. Again, thank you very much for coming on the show. I want to thank my very special guest this evening and friend and car guy. I mean, true car guy, Ken Gross. Ken, take care, and I'll see you at Amelia. In the, meantime, Thanks, in the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network, where we interview and talk to some of the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports, and occasionally some musicians. We have uh, Ricky Medlock coming on from Leonard Skinner, because they're going to be at Plant City at the Strawberry Festival here next month. So in the meantime, don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Follow us on Facebook. I should be on Instagram and Twitter and all that other good stuff. And, uh, hey, every Tuesday night here on the Tad Talk Radio Network, tell your friends. In the meantime, I want to see you at some of the car shows this weekend, Zephyr Hills. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.